Hey, I'm Piper. I'm Erin. Welcome to Off the Tracks Podcast, where we explore what it means to do law differently. Today, we are joined by Amon Koskin. She started on a traditional legal path right out of law school in 2012 and became partner at the law firm she articled at in 2018. But after years of feeling like she wanted more in her life, she she decided to take action in 2019 to create a life she loves. She started on a path towards building her own empire of freedom by bringing back fun and adventure into her life, starting her own business, teaching yoga to lawyers, beyond yoga for lawyers, investing in a local startup and purchasing an apartment building with her husband, all while practicing her favorite kind of law, administrative law with a focus on professional regulation. Being in a Hallmark movie and writing a children's book are part of her future goals within the empire of freedom. So we are so excited to have Almond here and we can't wait to hear more about her future path and goals. Thanks both for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're so excited. So Almond, can you tell us a little bit about how your career has evolved over time, especially over the last few years? Yeah, you bet. So I started on a traditional path, uh, articled, same firm, I haven't left um, for good reason. Uh, I enjoy the work and I was, I feel really lucky that I ended up at the, at the firm that I did. And I never knew that administrative law was such a broad area of law and that I'd be able to um, dip my hands into all these different uh, kinds and then kind of pick one and niche down, which is what I've done in the last couple of years. But basically what happened is I worked my butt off um, from 2012 till 2018 or around then. Um, I became partner and it's not that I don't work my butt off anymore, but I started listening to this feeling that I had inside me that I wanted more from my life. Um, I had become a lawyer and it was kind of like, okay, now what? Okay, became partner. Okay, now what? And I think many lawyers, including myself, are goal-oriented, looking for the next kind of thing. And I looked around in my life in 2018 and realized that I had let a lot of the things go that I really enjoyed. And so that included my hobbies, my interests, my friends. Like I wasn't seeing my family as much. My family lives in Vancouver. I, I live in Edmonton. And I was maybe visiting like them two times a year. And I'm like, well, that's not the life that I envisioned for myself is seeing my parents two times a year. So it really started um, uh, making me think about what kind of life I wanted to lead. And in addition to the law, what I could um, do and what I wanted to do. And so that's basically what happened in uh, 2018, 2019. And then slowly, little by little, I started integrating things back into my life, which I'll just call variety and other ventures, which included the local startup that you mentioned. I started Beyond Yoga for Lawyers last January. So now I'm teaching yoga uh, to lawyers as part of a program that I run. I also have been speaking quite a bit, uh, which is something I enjoy as well. Being on podcasts, which is super cool because I remember being terrified the first time and uh, investing in real estate. So doing things outside of the law. Um, has really been, I think, a way that I've created kind of that happiness or those missing pieces. And then I still have more things that I, you know, want to add or ideas that come from time to time. That's awesome. So what led you to go into law school and choose law as your career in the first place? 
Yeah. So I started off going into undergrad thinking I wanted to be a dentist. Then I was taking classes like organic chem and stuff in comparison to an elective, which ended up being criminology. I really enjoyed criminology. I ended up having an assignment that had me going to trial and watching a trial. So I went and did that. And I quite enjoyed uh, the experience being there in the environment. And then I also uh, was somewhat frustrated with the uh, injustice that I saw. And so I think I wanted to try and be part of that change in some way. And so I ended up getting a criminology degree. And then of course, at the end of the criminology degree, I was like, well, is it law school or a master's? So I applied, did the, did the LSAT apply to law school. And uh, that was, um, I guess the motivation was that trial that I was watching. And the teachers I had also been around were also lawyers, like my professors were also lawyers and encouraged me to go to law school as well. Okay, that's amazing. Quite the career pivot, both very rewarding careers, being a lawyer or a dentist. Um, But it's always so interesting how one little thing can completely change or one seemingly small thing like enrolling in a criminology course can change the trajectory of what you decide to do in life and with your career. Um, So once you were in law school and as you were a student and articling, was there something you did that you found really helpful and most impactful for your career or your mental health, et cetera? Yeah, I think in law school, I didn't, other than going to the gym, I think when I tried like three times a week, that was really all I did for mental health. I didn't do yoga. I didn't meditate. I didn't journal. I didn't, I don't recall doing any of those things. Really, I was just work, 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 study, study, study. I always wanted to be in the library or reading material because I was always behind or at least that's what it felt like. So I didn't do those things. The only thing that I think helped was the exercise, which was a habit I had built since I was 15, or my mom had built for me, uh, going to the gym with her. So I had that. And the only other thing I think that really helped was friendships. And I think the friendships were that had I not had them, I probably wouldn't have gone to law school events. I probably wouldn't have had much fun outside of just the law school courses and going to class. So I, I think that friendships and like getting out and doing things and having that fun and adventure during law school um, was something that really helped um, get out of that study. You know, that study for me, study mentality, I had to work harder, I needed to get good grades to get that articling position, I needed to get, you know, just to move to the next thing always is kind of where I think my brain was, rather than enjoying the journey. Yeah, I think I am really lucky that I had some great friends like Piper in law school, but we didn't actually meet until, well, we did meet, but we didn't really become friends until our third year. Um, But I think it also gets easier as you go through um, your years at school, like first year is just awful, (laughs) but then you sort of ease up and, and can kind of enjoy the journey a bit more, like you said. But one thing we're interested in is so you mentioned you were going to the gym, sort of just working out, but not incorporating the meditation or yoga. When did that shift for you? And what was the journey like for becoming a yoga teacher? Yeah, so it didn't happen until in my articling year. So in 2012, I was looking for a budget-friendly yoga retreat to do that was close by in the area. And everything that I found was in BAMP for like $3,000. <laughs> I was like, that's, I had of student loan debt. And so I was like, well, no, that's not in the budget. But there was one that I found for like $395. And it was 45 minutes outside of time. And I was like, Kate, that's I'm going it's Friday to Sunday afternoon, like that works. 
So I went and I met uh, two teachers, one of them who is still my teacher today, Anna. And there had been students there who had been practicing with my teacher for over 20 years. And I was like, there's something here that these people keep showing up and are like lifelong students. And so I asked them these questions, like, why do you still come? What are the benefits? Like, what, how do you find that it's changed your life? Like, there's got to be a reason. And so all the things that they told me, I didn't really believe at the time, but basically it was things like more peace, calm, relaxation, uh, less reaction, uh, better relationships with friends and family, you know, better listener, um, anger, which was something I kind of noticed occurred in my legal career uh, as I was uh, working hard. It was something that pro- came up a lot with both family and it was a way I was showing up that I really did not want um, showing up. So basically, she became my teacher in 2012, and I've been seeing her on Monday nights for two hours ever since. Wow, that's so cool. And like the continuity of that relationship must have had and continue to have like a huge impact on you, both as a teacher and as like a student of her practice. So you have this teacher and have for a decade now, I guess. And so what led you to create Beyond Yoga for Lawyers? I think the way that the yoga has changed my life and I think has been a lifeline both as a lawyer and as a human being, I want to share what it's done with for me with other lawyers. And I think that they would really benefit. And so that was something why I think I wanted to share that. And I think everybody's journey is different. I don't think my story will be the same as anybody else's story, but I feel like we can all take the benefits from it. And it kind of comes to you in the way that's needed at the time. And so it changes over time what you can get from it. And I really just wanted to share that with a group of um, lawyers, which is a profession that is known for anxiety, depression, uh, constant states of stress. Um, And I wanted to really just find a way to give back to that and help. Yeah, I think that I succumb to that a lot. My, We always talk about how we love therapy, but my therapist can instantly tell the second I log on to our Zoom chat uh, whether I've been overworking myself or if I've been taking time and doing stuff that makes me feel better, uh, almost within like the first five seconds, she's like, oh no, you've been overworking again. <laughs> and um, my boyfriend jokingly calls it being a snapping turtle when I'm like overworked and I'm just like really snappy. And my dad loves it now too. So he calls me a snapping turtle too. But it's just like when you get to that point where you're just overexhausted, you don't have anything like left to give and you're just sort of running on empty is when you, I, or at least I find is when I'm most likely to be that like snapping turtle or to like lash out and resort to that anger, which I agree. It's, it's an awful feeling to feel. And sometimes I feel like it's really like in law, it's like, Oh yeah, you got to get angry for the other side and like, you know, amp up your, your client's position and everything. But I don't think it's very healthy or good for longevity either. And I think that there's ways to incorporate that sort of more calm practice uh, and advocate for your clients in a more like peaceful manner, but still advocate strongly for them. So one question uh, I have is what advice would you give to law students or lawyers or those in the legal profession looking to incorporate more mindfulness into their daily life? Yeah, I think as I look back, 
And I still take this advice even today and remind myself, but just making it simple um, and making it easy and not like beating yourself up when it doesn't go as you had planned or, you know, you didn't get the to-do list. So for me, I wanted to journal five days a week and like that just hasn't been happening. And at first I was like beating myself up for that. And then I was like, no, it's okay just to journal on Saturday morning. Like that's when it's working for right now. And that's totally fine. Or if you think like I have to meditate, so that means I have to sit down at a spot, you know, for five minutes, I need absolute silence and I need, you know, a yoga mat. I need all of these things. I think just breaking down. And that's one of the things I try to do is just break down those barriers. Like you can meditate in different ways. It doesn't have to be sitting on a yoga mat in complete silence. It can be with a puzzle, gardening, walking out in nature. Like it doesn't have to be kind of these Um, you know, this one way thinking. And I really think that for lawyers, we need those flexible tools and those techniques because our lives are so dynamic. No, absolutely. So one thing Erin and I both um, struggle a lot with is disconnecting. And I think sometimes like stepping away from our work, stepping away from our computer. The other day I texted Erin and I said, I'm having so much trouble sleeping. And I forget what advice Erin gave me to like rectify trouble sleeping And I said, no, 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 no. My trouble sleeping is like the going to sleep, like getting up from my computer and physically going to my bed. Um, So what advice do you have for like to disconnect or to take that time to walk away? Or what do you incorporate into your nightly or daily routine to kind of make sure that you create those like boundaries and barriers for the sake of your own physical and mental health? Yeah. So I'm a girl who loves routine. So I'm not for everybody, uh, but I'm a girl who loves planning organization and everything that's scheduled. So for example, on Monday nights, I go to my yoga class. My class is from seven to 9 PM. My teacher always likes us to come early and likes us to stay late. (laughs) So it's more like a two hour and 15 minute yoga class, which is a little crazy sometimes, even for me. But I have that seven o'clock stop, hard stop, and I know that I, there's things I need to do. So my workday needs to end before that. So that's like a hard stop for me. On Tuesday nights, I've been working out virtually with my mom during COVID. And so she has a 6.30 class our time, which means that I need to be done, wrapped up, changed, have something to eat and be on that Zoom ready to work out for 6.30. So that tells me that I have a hard stop. Like I can't just keep sitting there and I need to get it done. Otherwise, I'll be doing it afterwards. On Wednesday nights, I've been teaching uh, group yoga classes for the lawyers. So that's a seven o'clock start my time. So that means, again, I have another hard stop. On Thursday nights, we go to Tom's parents for dinner, my husband's parents for dinner. And so again, another hard stop. So I have hard stops built in throughout my day. And then in terms of my going to sleep routine, I have a timer on my phone that goes off at 9.35, Monday, uh, Sunday through Thursday. And that tells me that it's my cue. It's time to go shower. It's time to get ready for bed. And then that means I read my book and I minimize any phone activity. I put my phone on silent. I get my video ready for because I also listen to videos before um, falling asleep. I find that they really help. So I have different ones that I listen to. But basically, I kind of try to repeat the same thing. Um, obviously subject to anything that like, obviously when life happens, that's not how it goes, but I try to stick to a fairly routine schedule if I can. And that includes like getting up as well. So I have like routines for the morning as well that I try to stick to. Ooh, can we hear more about the morning routine? I just love this. Like, this is what I aspire to be like. I'm like, oh, that would be amazing. But I am, 
I don't know. I'm like all over the place. I've been trying to get into a routine of walking the dog early in the morning every day, but we left at 11 a.m. today. So like he was up at 630. I could have gone anytime before 11, but I was being lazy, but I'm trying. I'm going to try, but I would love to hear more about if you're if you're OK with sharing. But what you have in place in the mornings too to set you up for success. Yeah, sure. So it's so it's changed and evolved over time. I used to be someone who thought that like all of these six things are, I don't know what the list is, but six things had to happen like Monday to Sunday. And then it just became like I was missing like, you know, more than half of the items. And I was like, well, this makes me feel sucky and, you know, is not the best way to start my work day because I already feel like I kind of failed as a day because I didn't take advantage of the morning or enjoy it or something like that. So I've really cut it down. Uh, like again, before I was saying I used to journal every morning. So that is something I was doing, not every morning, but most way more than I am now. Um, I also have the same time I get up um, at the same time every day. And so that really helps with that, you know, continuity of getting up at the same time and uh, getting ready. I always uh, put like makeup and stuff on because that makes me feel like I'm ready to go. And I usually put on a proper shirt, especially if I'm Zooming. Um, and then I make my tea. So my tea is very important to me. Um, so either I will sit and just look outside for those, you know, for half a cup of my tea. I might have my tea and journal at the same time. I might have my cup of tea and work on things for Beyond Yoga for Lawyers because I'm most productive, most with it in the morning. And so for me, that's when my prime time is. And so I like to get in my Beyond Yoga for Lawyers work before rather than saving it for the end of the day when I'm probably pretty tired or have, you know, whatever I have scheduled between Monday and Thursday uh, during the week. So what else have I done? I tried to do legs up the wall in the morning. So I used to just go lay at the wall and legs up the wall and for just set a timer for two minutes. So nothing, nothing like five minutes beyond just two minutes legs up. That's it. I've done, um, looking at the moon in the evening, but also like out just a, in the window or in summer days, I'll go to the patio and just sit there with my tea or sit there in silence. So no podcasts that start, uh, which is kind of our tendency or like music playing in the background. Like I actually just have to be with myself, with my own thoughts, which starts out very uncomfortably and you want to escape from it, but I try to just be there. So I, I change it up. I mix it up and I try different things from different people, but I kind of just try to find what's my own and what's working for that like season of my life. Ooh, <laughs> we, both, <laughs> we both are like, ooh, <laughs> interesting. But I was just going to jump in really quick before I fight for it. But I really like what you were saying about like, if you try to make too many like lists or if you try to be like, okay, I have to do all of these things every single morning. And then you don't like, cause that's what I was trying to do too. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to meditate and then I'm going to read and then I'm going to stretch. And then like, I don't even know how I was going to do all that before 9am, but then you don't do it. And then you feel really awful instead of just being like, oh, these are some things that will make you feel better in the morning. Maybe you try to do two each morning and like based on how you feel, because you're not going to feel the same every single morning. But anyways, I thought that was really interesting. So thanks for sharing. No. And I love how like, it's so clear that mindfulness and really like centering yourself and knowing yourself and what you need, like you said, in that season of your life plays such an important role in your life and has like probably really helped shape who you are over the past many years. And so one of the things that's really interesting um, is that you talk about building this empire of freedom. And we would love to hear more about that because I think 
right now in this season of my life, when I think about freedom, you had mentioned earlier your student debt. And Erin and I, that's something we've talked a lot about on the podcast before. For us, we have, uh, we each have six figures of law school and student debt. And so this idea of freedom feels somewhat distant, um, but is definitely something that we're both um, actively working towards. So we would love to hear more about your like working towards and have achieved both financial freedom and mindful like freedom from like the confines of things that might um, really put like shackles on your mind. And we'd just like love to hear more about how, how you've done this and sort of what you've been building. Sure. So I started off with $69,000 of student loan debt. And then when I was about to finish articling, I bought a Mercedes. So lifestyle inflation is real. And so, <laughs> of course, I got a loan for it at five point something percent. And so anyway, it was like another $30,000 of debt. So it was like 98.5 or something was my number at the end of the day. And then somehow I just be like, I was always determined to get rid of my debt. But now it was like the car and student loan debt that I needed to get rid of. And so I just became like aggressive about my student loan debt. And so that was that was the decision that I made at that time. So it took me three and a half years to pay off the 98.5. And I was on all the, you know, how do you live a frugal life, all those sorts of things, trying to figure all of that out. And then I just wanted $1 to my name. I was like, I can't wait till I have $1 to my name. It's going to be so great. Um, Because I had to listen to my parents say like, oh, you're going on vacations, but it's like on borrowed money. And part of my student loan was uh, they they paid off the interest portion and then I was just paying back my parents. And so anyway, anytime they knew I was doing something with money, it, it, I had to hear about it. And so that again, motivated my, my want, my desire to get rid of the loan. So then once I got rid of the student loan debt, I definitely felt like I was more free. Like I had more options. I could make more decisions because I, I don't know, I viewed that $1 to my name as meaning something uh, like I had hit the next kind of place of possibility. And so then I started investing in myself as well. Like I was more open to uh, joining lawyer masterminds. So when I was able to see other lawyers that had businesses, podcasts, like you both do, um, and doing other things in addition to their law practices, that for me were examples of what's possible and gave me the idea that, hey, I can be a lawyer, a partner at a law firm, and I can teach yoga to lawyers. And so that just gave me the ability to open my mind to those sorts of things. I'm also a planner, I think, at heart. I love to plan and think about the future. I'm very strategic in um, the way that I think. And so I use that visioning, that ideal life planning. And in a way, um, in 2020, my husband and I did a couples coaching program that uh, a lawyer runs or ran and we did like a QMAR it's called a quarterly marriage alignment retreat and so it was basically focused on personal goal setting as well as couple goal setting but really envisioning like what your ideal life looks like and so as part of that exercise we came up with our values so my number one value is freedom Um, my second one is adventure and so freedom for me is basically the ability to do what I want with my life when I want and that I don't have to do things when people tell me that I have to do it or that I'm like forced to 
Like I want to want to do things. I want to be able to go for a walk, you know, in the middle of the day. I want to be able to be that person who is maybe at a hotel on a Monday to a Wednesday rather than trying to book flights on a Friday to come back on a Sunday. Like I wanted more of that flexibility in my life. And so the way that I've, I think I've been trying to do it is by adding these additional what I call pillars to my empire of freedom. Yeah. So I guess you've kind of taken the time to sort of think about what those pillars are for you and what the keys, you know, marks of a free life are for you. Um, but, you know, at the beginning of a career or um, as a young person sort of getting started with building like the life of your dreams can seem very overwhelming and very like distant and like, oh, one day maybe, like, I think I even said to Piper, oh, when I'm 85, I can do that, (laughs) you know? And it's like, you know, yeah, way down the line, you could do that. But how would you recommend someone at the very beginning of their career uh, get started with sort of like envisioning this and building their own empire freedom and, and starting to think about these things early on? Yeah. So first off, my husband and I don't allow that kind of language in our communication. Like when I made notes, no. <laughs> so we try to watch because our language, right? It's like, when I do this, this will happen. So it's always, and it's like distant future. And we're kind of joking, but at the same time, like we're kind of, it's kind of, maybe we believe it. And so we really try to work hard on consciously watching that we are saying things that are encouraging the vision that we have for our lives. And so I think just starting out, I agree with you. I, my empire of freedom has like eight pillars or something now, including like the extra and a hallmark, the writing of the children's book. I have an idea for an Etsy shop. I have a plan. Like there's all these different ideas for things, but they're not all, if I'll call being activated at the same time. So I have, it started off with none of those things. And what I do is I actually have like a document, like a piece of paper on my wall in my office. And I add to it as an idea comes to me and I put the date. So if something comes to me, then I can go back and reflect and say, you know, July, 2021, I had this idea. Do I want to like, is it still an idea? Do I want to do anything with it? But really, I think it's just sitting down with yourself, which I know is hard because A, you have to sit down with yourself. You have to find the time to do it. And then you have to sit there with a blank piece of paper and start thinking about, you know, what does my ideal day look like? What does it start with? Where am I? Like we've like really visualized, we want to see mountains. We want being near water is important to us. I want a paddle board, right? So like, what are the things that we enjoy? I enjoy having chai tea. Do I want to be able to walk to these places? Is a yoga studio in person important to me? Or am I okay with virtual? Like, how is that for me? What kinds of amenities do I need? Am I okay being rural? Do I want to be more central? Like, do I like the city thing? So it's like asking yourself these questions and trying to just come down to like, what are things that you like? What are things that you enjoy? And I know that young lawyers I've talked to say they don't know because they're like, I just don't, I haven't had the time to think about what I enjoy and what I like to do. And so then I encourage them, okay, well, let's, let's do that. Let's start because really you just need to start and start mapping out for me. I'm very visual. So I start mapping out like, you know, what are the things that I've enjoyed in the past? Do I still like those things? So, and then I started taking on other people's ideas of things. For example, people in my office do long bike rides and they're like, oh, Amin, you should get a bike and like be, you, you know, you really like it on a Saturday to bike for like hours on end. So I tried to go for like a three hour bike ride and in about an hour, I was like, okay, 
done. Like uh, this is not for me. I do not enjoy it like this. My time limit is like one hour. We go for one hour. I come back. I got some physical activity. I got some nature and then we're back. And it, or it's like golfing. Like people are like, oh, 18 holes. I'm like, nope, nine holes is like feels a little bit right for me. So that's where I'm going to end. So I like kind of try other people's things and really try to see if that feels right for me. And if it does, and I keep it on my list of fun and adventure. And if it doesn't, I, I toss it out. So I just keep trying by trial and error. I love everything that you just said. It's so funny. You were talking about like just starting and how that's so crucial. And what's so funny right now, people listening can't see, but I'm going to show Erin and Amon. Um, on my wall, I have all these lists. And at the top, this top little um, yellow piece of paper says, just start. The hardest part is starting. And then these lists are all to-do lists. And that was really stressing me out because I've had a lot going on recently and a lot of things to do um, for my own business and for work and for the podcast and all these things. And so then two of these pages on the wall aren't to-do lists. One of them says, know your priorities and own them. So that was something that my therapist said to me when I was feeling so overwhelmed by so many different things going on. She said, it's okay right now if your life is focused on X thing instead of X thing that it's previously been focused on. Um, you just need to know your priorities, um, articulate them to people and, and own them. So I made a list of my priorities. And then that's still... Like it, it definitely softened the blow of all of the work that I, I've had to do recently, but I still was feeling really discouraged, um, just being holed up in my office, seemingly working all the time. So then I made a list of things I'm dreaming of. And so like things I want, whether like materialistic, as simple as like a new pair of jeans or things that are maybe broader, like going on a vacation. And so it's like my wall reminds me to just start because I really believe the hardest part of anything is often just starting. Um, and then it reminds me everything I have to do. And then it reminds me why I'm doing these things and what I'm working towards. So I think all of that is so like such great advice, the way that you articulated that I'm also very visual. Um, I'm very much, um, like a pen to paper person. Like I, I have never, every year I, I've set the, the goal of like, this is the year I use iCal. It's, it's never happened. Like I always have like a paper planner. Um, but I mean, thank you so much. I think like, this has just been so illuminating and you've given everyone listening, like so much to build off of, which I think is so important because someone can talk about their routines and their practices, um, till they're blue in the face, but it doesn't help unless you have like a place that you can kind of springboard off of. And you've given so many people, um, a place to kind of build their own routines and own practices from. And I think that's so important. And we're so, so grateful. We have a couple more questions. And one of the things that we're super curious about is you've had this really awesome career over the past 10, 10 ish years. And we would love to hear either your favorite moment or proudest moment of your career so far. Sure. So it didn't start out as my favorite moment as actually mortifying as someone who's just bragged about how I'm such a planner and organized. So I had a hearing that was at a prison four hours away. And so I was spending the night at a hotel. And anyway, my husband, who's also a lawyer, was coming with me and I forgot my suitcase, but I didn't realize until I got there. 
And so I had my suit, but not my suitcase. So thank goodness I had that, but no shoes, no nylons, no shirt, no deodorant, no toothbrush, etc. And all my yoga practices, everything that I teach went out the window. And I was like losing my mind. I was angry and every other emotion under the sun. And my husband, who also does yoga with me, he was like, what about your yoga practices? You're not being very yoga right now. And I just was like not having it. So turns out that the local store that was there didn't have some of the things that I needed and they didn't carry clothes, uh, the one that was open. And all the other places were closed by the time we got there. So anyway, I had to figure out like how, anyway, I used part of his clothes. I used nothing. Um, and then just kind of had to figure out where the nearest Walmart was. So the hearing started at 930. I was at Walmart at 855 waiting to get in. I basically went and dressed and did my makeup in Walmart and then got to the prison. And the reason why this sticks in my mind is because it, it is exactly why I think I went to law school, not the story about getting changed or the clothes that I didn't have, but how that didn't matter. Really, I was there to do a hearing for a um, professional who had had a sexual relationship with his daughter for a, a number of years. Um, she ended up not being the biological daughter, but really that doesn't even matter. Anyway, it was a long period of time. There were criminal charges that were laid. He was convicted and I was in the prison to take away his license as part of this um, profession that he was regulated under. That was why I was there. And so the um, quickness of how I, it had happened from the time of the criminal conviction coming down to the um, college regulatory process happening was for me meaningful because when I was in that trial that I was watching back in undergrad, it was seven, eight years and witnesses had lost their, like had lost any memory of what had happened in the past. And I just, I was so confused by it. And so that went to the heart of why I had gone to law school. The um, public interest, public safety, like why I was there was so meaningful to me. I've had my own experience of, um, something that happened with a dance teacher when I was uh, 15 or 14. And so that has stuck with me too. And so I just felt that I was doing good and this is why I became a lawyer and I was successful on the application. And so his professional um, status, like license and registration with the college was taken away. And it all just kind of was like a whole moment on its own for me and a full circle moment that really didn't matter that I had Walmart $9 shoes on or blush that I would never put back on my face again. Like that didn't even matter. It was about what I was there to do and the public good that I was there to serve. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And just wanted to acknowledge that I'm on behalf of both of us that we're just sorry to hear that you unfortunately had to deal with that situation, but so happy to hear that you've been able to um, find a path in the law that fulfills you. And um, it's just a very like touching, moving story, just hearing, you know, the, going through all of the emotions of the frustration of, of losing your suitcase and then, uh, you know, doing such important work and, um, and fulfilling, uh, fulfilling that works so quickly and making sure that the public interest was protected and everything. It's just a very, very um, beautiful story. So thank you for sharing. So we always like to end all of our episodes with the same question, which is what is something new you've learned recently? 
So I'd have to say what it's like to be pregnant. Um, I, I've had friends who have had kids and multiple of them, but I never really understood until now I'm pregnant. I'm five months pregnant and it's with our first. And it was um, a year and a half about of trying and two rounds of fertility treatment called IUI, which turns out the more lawyers you talk to about this topic, there's actually more lawyers who have also struggled with um, starting a family. And so that's been something I've been very open about as well. But really, it's all the changes that happen both in your life, because I talk about seasons of life. And I talk about, you know, having a morning routine with six, with six items, going to one that has like two. And then now I have no idea what that's going to look like. But just being open to that experience of learning new things while pregnant and welcoming a baby to the world. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. We are so excited for you. Um, we hope that um, all of your personal mindfulness and Zen maybe translates to the baby so that you have like the most sleepy, peaceful baby to ever come to earth. We're really like manifesting that for you and Tom. Um, but thank you so much for spending this time with us today. On It has been such a pleasure to learn more about your like both career and your values. I think that that's something that's just so important is really knowing who you are and what you want. And I think you've given everyone listening today so much to think about and so much to channel in their own lives. So thank you so much. We are going to link all of the ways to get in touch with you and to do yoga with you in the episode notes. But to stay up to date with the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram at Off The Tracks Podcast and stay tuned for our next episode coming next Tuesday. Bye.